Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. What is going on, everybody? What an amazing weekend of football we were able to witness this past weekend, including the Cleveland Browns destroying the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, what an amazing feeling. What an amazing weekend. A lot of great football. You know, a little disappointed, unfortunately. Our friend Tony couldn't participate with the Colts uh, pulling off the upset on the Bills, but they played the Bills really good as well. Got Matt here. We're going to recap the entire super wild card weekend for you guys on today's episode. Matt, how you doing on this beautiful Monday? Doing pretty good. I mean, it was quite a uh, weekend of games. I uh, was pretty excited uh, to be able to take them all in, and I, I think there, you know, there was some that were slower than others, but I didn't think there was a bad one in the bunch. Maybe because Saints Bears, I watched nothing but Nickelodeon, so that yeah. kind of kept me entertained. Yeah, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. I watched a lot of that broadcast as well. Switching back and forth, I'm not gonna lie that that game was probably to me the most boring. So at one point, I actually switched it off to just watch some TV shows with the wife to kind of keep her happy because she was letting me watch football for like ten hours straight, uh, both Saturday and Sunday for the most part. And I was trying to get ready for that Browns game, which is in all honesty where we're gonna start. I can't go anywhere else. We've got to start with that game, uh, and then we'll go back to the to the order that it was. But the Browns pull off a huge win here. 45-37 at Ketchup Field. The Browns forced five turnovers. The offense looked good. I mean, Cleveland came out and dominated. Yeah, of course. That's what we call it, baby. Uh, I mean, dominate, you know, came right out from the – almost like that Titans game we saw uh, back whatever week that was. I can't even think off the top of my head here. But came out, just dominated right from the get-go. And then, you know – Made it interesting for sure in that third quarter. We saw Joe Woods. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw me posting about it. He he likes to play that super conservative defense uh, when when they've got a lead. And and Pittsburgh, you knew was going to get back. You know, a big band. That offense is just too good. Uh, but they definitely come back in and, and make it interesting. Kind of what are your thoughts on what Cleveland did in that game and and moving forward now getting uh, Kansas City here in round two in the divisional round. Oh, I have to think, uh, I don't know if you're still watching at this point, but it had to have been a highlight of your day to see uh, Ben with the thousand-yard stare on the bench at the end I, of the game. I did not go to bed till about midnight my time. I was watching recaps of, uh, there's a, a podcast that I love. Uh, if you guys are into the, anybody who's following me who likes the Browns, uh, Cleveland and beyond, they do an amazing Cleveland Browns, Indians, Buckeyes, everything. And then, so I was lit watching their reactions because, they're massive Browns fans, so I was watching their live reactions, and then I was watching the the, the recap for this. So I saw Juju sitting on the bench all dejected, Big Ben crying, which I'll, I'll let you go first, but I, I am not – I don't find that part as funny as some other people. I'm not going to shit on Big Ben for, for the tears in his eyes thing, but there are a lot of no, people not, making fun of him. Not funny, but just satisfying probably to see that, you know. It, it, it would – you know, 18 years of getting our ass kicked by them. It is a little bit satisfying to be able to get the well, win. It's hard to have a, any sympathy for Juju feeling dejected because he, uh, you know, his comments in the middle of the week were definitely uh, ill-conceived. Uh, yeah. We'll say that. Uh, Sunday nights uh, is when we record the Music City Drive-In, um, the, the movie, the main movie podcast on the network. And I've been on that for a couple of months now. So we were... We start at uh, basically 8.15 Eastern. 
So I watched the kickoff. I had the game on in the background, and we watched yes. the kickoff. And that first snap, as a Broncos fan, brought up some Super Bowl PTSD. Um, <laughs> but the, but then I'm sitting there, and you know, both Ben and James Conner have a shot at the ball, and they're both on their knees, and they're seemingly looking at each other like who wants to take it while the Browns slide right in for a touchdown. So I thought it was a pretty amazing start, but I was basically watching in the background, um, you know, with no sound on uh, while I was trying to focus on the questions I was being asked. And just, it was, it was one of the most brutal starts I think I've yeah. ever seen any team have. And it was a lot of it was self-inflicted. It was turnover after turnover coupled by a great opening game script, um, from Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski and the Browns looked like they were ready. They were hitting on all cylinders. You know, they said it was going to be a full go. Don't worry about us yeah. not being able to practice. And that really, it was borne out, but I was as great as the offense was, I was especially impressed by the defense, which has been ravaged, especially in the secondary by uh, COVID absences and injuries and the way they stood tall and, and were able to make plays was really the difference. Yeah, I mean, so just to start off from the top there, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I know the, I believe it's the record for most points in the first quarter of a game. The Browns putting up 28 on them. Again, not all of them. They were helped out quite a bit by Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers there. Uh, but the defense, I'm with you. Uh, you know, a lot of people are are saying that this defense isn't good, and, and I've, I've already said it, and I'm going to say now, I actually think with the all the players we're getting back, assuming – no more positive COVID tests happen for the Browns because they've been ravaged the past couple of weeks by COVID. I, I actually think they match up fairly well with the Chiefs. I do not think it's going to be a blowout. I do think it'll be a good game. Uh, and, and I think the defense, my biggest issue with the defense is they, they seem to have a very good game plan when it comes to what they're going to do, but they don't make adjustments very well. They seem to, especially like I said, when they get up, they seem to go almost in, if you ever play mad, like a prevent defense and just, hey, we're going to give up everything underneath. You don't, you don't have to tell me Joe Woods was Denver's defensive coordinator yeah. under Vance Joseph. I've had the that. experience. I did not know that part. But, yeah, so it's a little bit frustrating, but, I mean, they looked really good. You know, I, I'm, I'd be curious to know, and I, they're never going to come out and say this, but I, I'd be curious to wonder if maybe Van Pelt tried to get a little bit too cute there in the third quarter when they came mm -hmm. out. Tried to, It looked like he tried to go for the dagger instead of maybe trying to play a little bit for the clock while also going for the dagger. I mean, they went three and out and three drives straight. I feel like the worst thing that happened to Cleveland was halftime. Yeah. Because you have a break, and then – um, you know, then Pittsburgh comes out of the score. It was almost like they had to re-jump start that momentum because when you're starting the game, you come out on fire. You can carry yeah. that momentum, especially as you have success. But in the middle, uh, that's what I felt. It was like, oh, you know, they got they were off the field for a while. They were taken out of rhythm for a while. They had to get it back, and then you know they were able to execute. Uh, Landry made a couple of ballsy catches to get in there, and then Chubb you know, going down there for the touchdown. It was all like, okay, back on yeah. track. Now we've, yeah, got our, we've got our momentum. We've got our rhythm. We're in good shape. And I think the, probably the best thing we've talked about is Baker, had, his greatest area of improvement is not that he's out there slinging it. It's that he's not giving the ball to the other team. Yep. There was no part of me that thought Pittsburgh was going to be able to come back being minus four or minus five. No team can be that far into the turnover hole and make it all the way back. And then you combine that with a sort of curiously gutless decision on fourth and one. You're, if you're way down and you've been getting your butt handed to you, why are you punting? I mean, look, I'm not going to complain about the punt. I'm very happy that they punted. I, I think – you know, I haven't heard his reasoning. I haven't listened to what the Steelers players have said. I've listened to a lot of what the Browns players have said. I would imagine his defense of the punt was, at that point, their defense had pretty much stopped the Browns in that second half. The Browns had not put up a single point leading mm -hmm. up until that fourth, fourth down. So maybe his thought was, because I think they were only 12 down at that point, and there was still a lot of time left. Like What I was going to say when you said, that made one of us that was not afraid of the, of the Steelers coming back, because I was starting to regret all the shit talking I was doing on Twitter at that point. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God, I, I cursed us. The, it two, was uh, pretty. the two most head-scratching moments in the game were – that that punt on fourth and one and you know that probably was his rationale but 
I don't know why you think you're suddenly just a, a team that put up 35 and was dominating you in all facets became inept overnight. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't happen. They may go through a lull, but if, if his thought was he was going to prevent them from scoring, that was a gross miscalculation. But the other one is, I thought they went for a two point conversion too early, and then I when they scored, that. and now Michael's like the math tells you 13 point deficit, you go for one, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. And then it comes back and he's like, I don't know what math I was looking at, but it didn't make sense. And Collinsworth just says, yeah, I wondered when you said that. So did all of America. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they went for two that early, too. Like I said, I'm I'm not going to hate on them for the the fourth down punt. You know, again, it it worked out in the Browns' favor, obviously, because they end up going down and scoring. But I felt like when he did that – when I was watching, I was like, great. That's huge for the Browns' defense. We needed to stop because the Steelers had scored on every drive since then. And like I said, the Browns at that point, they had gone three and out three times in a row. And the first two drives, was really three passes. They gained like three yards and got punt, and they punted all three times. So I was sitting there like, this is when Pittsburgh turns it around. So I, I, well, I'm not going to Once you start going for two, though, you're always chasing points. No, no, yeah, I agree with you on the two-point version. That I would not have done it that early. Now, when they got started going later into the game, you needed to make the points that made sense. But I agree with the first time they did, and you didn't complete it at that point. You're like, now you just shot yourself in the foot big time, especially with the way that the game had already been going. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Baker, just to just to put this out, I mean, for the literally fourth string and fifth string offensive linemen to come in there and not give up a sack. You've just major props to what Cleveland was able to do. Um, you know, I said it earlier in the off season. I don't think I've brought it up since then, but I'm going to bring it up now. The best move that the Browns made was bringing over Callahan to coach that offensive line, because that offensive line has been amazing. All those guys, I know Callahan hasn't been able to be there all week. They had, I think it was the backup game manager uh, was running uh, the offensive line, but that offensive line was huge last night. Baker, as you mentioned, not turning the ball over, no fumbles, no picks, no sacks. I mean, I think I saw earlier uh, Jake Burns, who does a lot of Cleveland Browns stuff, tweeted out that PFF had him graded as a 90.5 in his first playoff game. Just an amazing game all around. Uh, It was great. Maybe what the real key is is these guys doing commercials because you know you have Mahomes and Rogers killing it with State Farm. Both their teams got buys. Baker been a fixture on our TV was a fixture on our TV, also killing it. Let's be honest, Baker's commercials are ten times better than Mahomes and Rogers, and I like Mahomes and Rogers, but no, no, Baker's Baker's are ten times better. But for the Steelers, I mean, again, I, I really thought they were going to get back into it, especially in that third quarter. They put up like thirteen points, and they put up another touchdown in the fourth quarter. Really, really started to make a game out of it. Ben ends up throwing for five hundred plus yards, four touchdowns, does get the four interceptions as well. Juju, while starting off slow, does end up coming in with a big day though for. The Steelers, uh, 13 catches for 157 yards and one touchdowns. Uh, at, you know, we, we talked about them coming into this game kind of limping, uh, did not look good. They lost uh, four out of five, uh, looked bad in, at times in this one as well. What are your thoughts on Mike Tomlin, uh, his future, as lo- along with Big Ben, Juju, and James Conner? I, I think at least the last two are likely gone for sure. So I've seen some rumblings that Tomlin could be in trouble uh, because of the way they finished and because he hasn't had a lot of playoff success in, in recent years. I mean, I suppose that's possible. Um, but I I think he'll probably be back. Ben is a curious case to me because physically and stats-wise, I, I know he had a horrific start to the game in terms of turnovers and stuff, but he's still capable of putting up good numbers and the team is still better with him than with any of the options they've had. And they're kind of in a no man's land for draft picking, Um, you know, at 12 and four, they were, I think the highest, uh, they end up being the highest seed eliminated. So they're either going to pick 23 or 24. That's not a great spot. Um, so I think that's really up to him whether or not he, he wants to come back. You, I sort of got the feeling watching the way he was at the end. I felt a little bit like how I felt about Breeze at the end of last year's uh, kind of playoff crumble uh, against Minnesota that if he walked away, I wouldn't be totally surprised. But part of me thought he, he wants to go one more time to see if he can get over it. 
Connor and Juju, I think, are going to come down to what are they looking for in contracts. My gut tells me I think Juju probably goes because I think he'll get some decent offers. Connor is significantly better than any of the running backs they currently have, which isn't to say he's incredible. He is a hometown story. Um, You haven't heard much in the way of him talking about trying to get big deals or big contracts. He's not incredibly durable, though. Um, he, of those two, I, I would be less surprised if he ended up re-signing at some kind of super cap friendly deal. Cause he's been a valuable part of their offense. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. I know they, they said Juju said his preference would be to be back with the Steelers too. I just don't know that that cap works. I still think he alongside, Johnson and Claypool is better than James Washington alongside Johnson and Claypool, but I don't know if it's good enough. I would imagine he's going to want somewhat of a decent contract. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I kind of think both of them are, are likely gone. Uh, I just don't with with the cap space. I'm trying to pull it up right now because uh, I know I'm pretty sure. At, the Steelers are almost kind of in cap hell. They they do yeah. not have. A, a lot of room so uh, i mean okay so they're 18th that's not bad i I thought they were lower than that they've got oh that's not great about six million in cash also traditionally they don't splash out big contracts even for their own their own people and i would think juju's been good enough they said something interesting that i thought about last night that not we tend to attribute some of his fall off in stats from Brown leaving, but not only did Brown leave, they switched the kind of position he was playing in the offense, which makes me wonder which had a larger impact. And he seemed to be uh, lamenting getting moved inside. So it'd be curious to see if somebody sees something on tape from those first two years and what he was and is a contender that needs a receiver. Like, could you imagine him outside opposite AJ Brown? You know, that would be pretty formidable. Um, there's a lot of places, you know, even Philadelphia, you know, it's an outside. He wouldn't have to go that far. Philly's in, in worse cap hell than Pittsburgh is. That's the, they're, they're a mess. And we're going to get to obviously the news with them here later. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. I honestly think that's the thing because we saw him succeed when Antonio Brown was hurt there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and be the number one. I really think, and I actually talked. I was talking back and forth with the Steelers fan um, last night, saying, you know, hey, like, a, you know, as big of or as a tough a defeat as that was, you know, I still think Pittsburgh has a good team. Uh, you know, Juju, I do think has been hurt more from moving into the slot than being on the outside. I think he's an outside watcher now. I don't think he's a number one, but I do think he's a viable number two wide receiver and being on the outside, that's where he thrives. So I think, yeah, cap, the cap in Philly is bad. I, I'm pretty sure they're almost, they're one of the yeah. dead last team. And with the stuff they've got going on, I, I think, you know, we talked last week with some, with the black Monday stuff. I think Philly is probably the worst place that you want to go right now with everything and their roster with all the older players they have on the roster. It's, it's not looking good in Philly right now, but uh, with big Ben. So I'm, interested to see what happens because obviously after any kind of defeat like that you're I think probably especially when you're in Big Ben's shoes he's a Hall of Famer uh you know he's had body beat up for the past couple years that elbow and arm looks kind of shot right now with the surgery he had I mean who knows the amount of pain killing stuff he's had to put into that arm all year long especially when we've seen him kind of shaking it and dealing with it you know, right now his thought might be just to, you know what, I'm done. Like, that was my last game. Now, maybe as the offseason goes on, he decides he wants to come back. I, I'm with you. I still think he probably has a year, maybe two left in him. Uh, you know, he has – he is signed for one more year with Pittsburgh, but it's a player option, so he can choose not to come back. And that would help out Pittsburgh because that's going to free up $22 million on their cap space. Uh, but I, I kind of feel like someone brought up to me today – it's a lot of money to walk away from, especially if you think you can play. Uh, and, and I do think Ben still has some time left in him. That, that to me, is going to be the biggest one because I don't think Juju's going to be back. You know, I know – I don't think Connor would ask for a big contract, but I'm going to be honest. I don't know if Pittsburgh wants to bring him back. He's not been very effective last year or really for at times this year. And can't stay on the field. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, you can probably draft a running back in the second or third round that's going to cost less money than him. You know, that's probably going to be better than the guys they have on the roster in Snell and McFarland and and Samuels. So I don't think Connor will be back with them at all. And I, and a Juju just because based on the money, I, I do think they probably want to bring him back. Uh, but I just think money-wise, they won't be able to. As for Tomlin, I will say this, and I'm not a Steelers fan, uh, so I can understand where Steelers fans might be frustrated. I honestly think you would be stupid to fire Mike Tomlin. I, Coming from a Browns fan, I think Mike Tomlin is a Hall of Fame coach. I understand that they have not looked good, uh, or they, they kind of fell you know, on their face at the back half of this season. But you also look at all the injuries they had this year on defense, and you had Big Ben struggling with what he was, the offense, the way, you know, again, I'll, I think I'm being objective in saying this, the way they were screwed all year long with their schedule, really getting no bye week whatsoever, I'm sorry. But, I, you know, I love Stefanski now, but if, like, say Freddie Kitchens was still the coach of the Browns, I'd be like, fire Freddie and bring in Tomlin right now if the Steelers are going to get rid of him. Like, I honestly think if the Steelers fire yeah. Tomlin, every single available position – they would be calling him immediately. Tom, Tomlin's a Hall of Famer. You know, I understand he hasn't had that much success uh, the past couple of years, but okay, outside of Bill Belichick, who's had that much success in the playoffs every single year? The answer is no one. Because uh, Andy, you know, you're going to say, people may say Andy Reid, okay, well, last year was the first Super Bowl he's won in a long time, and yet he made the playoffs. Eight, uh, it, was his, it was his first Super Bowl he'd won, period. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what his is the yeah. first Super Bowl. He, he's made the playoffs a ton of times with Kansas mm-hmm. City and with Philadelphia. Last year was his first Super Bowl ever, and then he won it. So it's not not every team is Bill Belichick. Just getting to the playoffs is Pittsburgh. And again, they've kind of gotten right there on the cusp. Last year they were about to be in the playoffs with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. We, yeah, were, I mean, me and you were talking to him as coach of the coach year of the last year. year. So I mean, I'm sorry if you fired Mike Tomlin. In my opinion, I hope that you become the worst team in the AFC North because that would just be a stupid decision. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, but I, you know. He's been coached since 2007. They have never had a losing season. His worst, he's he's been 8-8 eight and eight three times, but they've never had a losing season. So I think that's probably a little bit where it's just – a cultural super high standard. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, okay. I get that part of it, but, and I don't want to keep talking because we're about to go like 30 minutes on one game here, but I, I get that well, part. It was of it. probably the game of the weekend. Yeah. Oh, it was, but I get that you have high standards there. You've won six Super Bowls. You've gotten two under Tomlin. Cower was there for what? No, they got two under Tomlin, didn't they? I don't know. Let me look. I, uh, I'm pretty sure it was only one. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It is only one because Ben only has two, right? Yeah, and one of them was with was under Coward. Coward. Uh, Coward. Because I'm looking. He won the Super Bowl in 2008. Uh, Wait, but that's two, right? Because they lost to one, didn't they? They lost to Green Bay. Am I thinking of the Steelers? Yes, lost to the Super Bowl in 2010. Okay, so they been to two Super Bowls, one one. That's the one that they beat Arizona. So they won, beat Arizona, but lost to Green Bay. So still, been to two Super Bowls under Tomlin. Not a lot of coaches can say that to begin with that they been to two Super Bowls, winning record every single year. Again, I know we keep focusing on last year, but hell, they lost Big Ben in Week One. I'm pretty sure at worst Week Two, and they were eight and eight with Mason Rudolph about to make the playoffs and Duck Hodges of all people, who's not even in the NFL anymore. I just don't – I mean, again, Bill Cowher, he was there for – I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head, but it feels like at least a decade, if not longer, won one Super Bowl. And now you're going to fire a guy like Tomlin because he lost to the Browns this year. I just feel like that's an overreaction. I've seen that all over Twitter with a lot of Steelers fans, and I'm just saying you do not want to get rid of a coach like Mike Tomlin because my next question would be who out there is going to be better because I can promise you probably no. Like, I just, I yep. don't. Cower was there for 15 years. It looks like he was one and one in Super Bowls, 12 and nine as a playoff coach. Tomlin is eight and eight as playoff coach. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. So his playoff record ain't that great, but I don't know. I'm just, you know, I, I think, I think it's. Telling me 
10 years of Kevin Stefanski and he's got one Super Bowl win and one Super Bowl loss, I'm saying sign him up for a lifetime contract. I, I think it'd be a, a little bit of an overreaction to just clip Tomlin out this year too. I was a little surprised I was seeing the talk, but I think it's – I have seen a couple of people posting it and that is kind of what they post to. I, th- I thought the most unkind cut was comparing him uh, to Mike McCarthy. Which I saw somebody do on Twitter. I I don't think McCarthy was ever quite as good of a coach in Green Bay as we've seen from Mike Tomlin, who has consistently been able to keep the Steelers competitive. Again, to never have had a losing season. How many NFL franchises can say they haven't had a, a, a single losing season since 2007? Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't know. But again – Maybe coming from a Browns fan who I think you could you could say up until like this year have had like two winning seasons in the past two decades, and then you want to get rid of a guy who has never had a losing season. It's just ridiculous. To me. Well, and we've seen it many times. Something the guy who who was there, you know, everybody likes to point to what happened uh, when Green Bay moved on from McCarthy, but they managed to kind of hit the lottery in a, in a perfect situation for. More often, you dump the guy, and a couple of years later, are like, "Well, I've made a huge mistake." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I think the difference with that is too. Now, now, none of us, I don't think, expected Matt Lafleur to be the coach that he's become. But you also have to say you've got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones—a very solid core to build around. Plus, Jair Alexander. You got the uh, the—they're uh, not really brothers, but they're both have the same last name uh, on that defense that are very good. The linebacker and the edge rusher. Mike McCarthy, I don't think, like you just said, you cannot put Mike McCarthy in the same boat as Mike Tomlin. And I, I just don't, unless you're bringing in Joe Brady, who I think is probably the best guy out there, which there's rumors about where he's going right now. So I just, I don't see it. But let, well, let's move on to another game. I, you know, we, we have spent about 30 minutes on this one. So Bills Colts, the first game of the Saturday. Uh, Bills won 27-24. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was solid again. The Colts hang uh, with the Bills, though, which we kind of talked about. All three of us expected that to be a really good game. We didn't think it was going to be a blowout. Uh, what did you think about the Colts uh, this offseason? What do you think about the Colts this offseason? You know, a tough loss. Uh Again, I mentioned earlier we were hoping – I was hoping at least Tony – I mean, I wanted the Bills to win, if I'm being honest, because I, I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. But Well, the refs I, tried to give it to the Colts there at the end with well, that uh, phantom f- fumble. Not, not only did the refs try to give it to the Colts, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, my favorite coach – and his name is just completely jumped out of my head, and I cannot remember what his name is now for the life of me. Colts coach, what is his name? Frank Reich. Frank Reich. My best friend, I think, gave the Bills this win. And they win if he does not do some of the bad play calling he did, going for it on fourth and not kicking the field goal. Of course, didn't help that Rodrigo Blankenship missed a couple field goals and uh, not an extra point, just field goals, right? He didn't miss an extra point? Yeah, I think just field goals. I mean, so there was a realistic shot that the Colts ended up winning this game anyways, but what do you think about the Colts going into this offseason? I guess the biggest question around them right now is both Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. Brissett is probably gone for good. Rivers can come back. What are your thoughts on their quarterback situation? Um, yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I think the Colts have a pretty good defense. They've started to build a decent core of uh position players they have a pretty good line their problem last year seemed to be quarterback they settled on needing to do something different I think that still probably is the difference uh you know in this season in these games you know it's the difference between them being a seven seed having to go to Buffalo on the road and being home for a playoff game uh you know in their own division I don't think Rivers comes back. You know, Rivers already has a post-NFL job that he signed up for last year. I don't think he was the answer. I think it was a fine attempt. But there are so many options that are going to be floating around there, and the Colts still have cap space. I think they do something different. 
Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it with the Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford. I think they should go a different route. They've they've got the cap space, and and in my opinion, that's the one thing they're missing is quarterback. I think they had the Super Bowl roster right now, and they're not going to lose many players to free agency. They have a ton of cap room. I think if they go out there and get one of these quarterbacks who could be available, whether it's Wentz, Stafford, you know, may I, I don't know if they could. I don't think. My opinion, they should not draft a guy and expect him to come in there and help him win the Super Bowl. I think they need to get a veteran guy. So whether or not they do that, we'll see. But the Colts are definitely one of the more interesting teams to me. As we, I think they proved it Saturday. They stuck in with the Bills, who I think are the class of the AFC right there with the Chiefs. I could have won that game. Clearly have a really good roster around them with players injured, players underperforming. Uh, Colts are going to be one of, at least in my opinion, one of my favorite teams to watch this offseason and see what they do. As for Buffalo, Allen has a good day. They really are putting this team on his back right now to win this game. There is no rushing attack. Defense is struggling a little bit. Allen is doing everything he can to will the Bills to victory. Moss, unfortunately, looks like he's likely done for the year with that ankle injury. What do you think of the Bills after their first wild card win in what was it? 30, 20 something years? Yeah, I think it was since 1999. Oh wait, no, they lost. They lost the Music City Miracle. So yeah. it's gotta be the early nineties. I want to say it was like so. Only twenty years, twenty years, thirty years. I think thirty years is what they said. I don't know. I know the Browns were fifty-one. I looked. I looked it up yesterday, even though I messed that up on my fleet and said fifty-nine years, but fifty-one years since their last hey, what, round. What's eight years between friends? Yeah, exactly. But your thoughts on the Bills? Um. It wasn't a bad performance, but I thought their defense struggled a lot more than I was expecting. Um, And it wasn't an incredible performance. It seemed like it took them a little while to get going. I don't know if it's playoff nerves or something. I think that in the divisional round, probably the premier game is going to be that Saturday night game where Lamar Jackson and the Ravens go to the Bills. And I know you and I are rooting interest ideally aligned that we both would dearly love to see the Bills win. I have less confidence in them being one of the best teams in the AFC after watching that game than I did going into the playoffs. So it gives me a little bit of pause. They need to get a little better. I thought they were going to get a huge bump from getting to have some fans at home too. And that it seemed to take a little while to get going. They won. That's good. Sometimes we've seen teams come out and have a rough first playoff game and then go on a roll. Maybe that happens for them, but I'm a little nervous because the Ravens, despite how we feel, have been the hottest team to end the NFL. They've won six straight, including the playoffs. Lamar looks like he's figured you know, he doesn't look like what he did last year, but he looks like he, he's figured out a way to work around defenses. Marquise Brown has become a factor. You know, if Phillip Rivers was making long passes to Jack Doyle and Zach Pascal, I think we'd argue that the Ravens have slightly better receivers than that. So it definitely it's going to be a tough matchup. They need to to tighten up. It wasn't the greatest performance. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to be as worried. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with them knowing their history. Like we saw them last year do the same thing. They came out, got up big on the Texans, and then let that game slip away. And I think uh, some of that was they came out there knowing, hey, right now, just based on a record, what we've done all year long, we're one of the best teams in the AFC. And then the Colts punched him in the mouth. And I'm sure part of that was one of those things, kind of like. At least all those Browns fans were doing last night when we saw the Steelers coming back. It's like, oh, my God, here we go again. And I'm wondering if maybe the Bills players kind of felt that and started to get a little bit tight. Uh, You know, there were times that Allen looked like he was getting tight. And then toward the end of that game for like that drive that obviously gave them the lead, looked like he'd finally be like, look, I'm going to put this team on my back and win this game. I'm with you. Obviously, Baltimore, they're peaking at the perfect time. So it's not going to be an easy game. Do think it's going to be the best game of divisional. I think, in all honesty, both of the AFC games are, are the ones I'm really looking forward to. I'm not really that interested in the NFC. I don't know. We'll get to. Uh, there's one of those NFC games I think is going to be pretty good. 
I don't, but I, I'm pretty sure I know which one you're talking about. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think the Bills will be just fine, uh, and I'm really looking forward to that game. Allen versus Lamar is, is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, so, the uh, yeah, the Rams pull off the upset, probably the second biggest upset of the weekend here. Actually, might even say the first because they did it with a, a banged-up Jared Goff uh, against the Seattle Seahawks that while everybody knew the Seahawks came in struggling – we all thought the Seahawks would figure out a way behind Russ to get the win, and they lose 30-20 to 20 here. Goff does okay, struggle with the thumb injury. I think you could tell it was just hard for him to grip the ball and throw it. That ball was coming out really weird at times. He was 12 days removed from breaking yeah. his throwing hand, which then had to have surgery and put three pins in it. The fact that he could take a snap yeah. and throw a ball down the field, I found incredibly impressive. Yeah, the fact uh, that they did not let Blake Bortles be active, I found incredibly stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think, in my opinion, you've got to give Goff all kinds of credit for being able to gut through something like that. Because as someone who's broken his thumb, trying to do stuff like that is not fun. It is very painful. for So for him to go out there and, and figure out a way to lead the Rams to a victory is is amazing. No, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup both get banged up. I heard this morning that Aaron Donald looks like he's going to be good. They did X-rays, MRI on his ribs, no uh-huh. structural damage, so he should be good to go. Uh, the Rams offense, uh, they're going up against the Packers now because they won. All of us thought maybe it was going to be the Bucks packers uh, but the Rams pull off that win. And, I mean, so, what, what are your thoughts? I think this is going to be – of course, it's going to be a crap game, but I, I think the Packers are going to – not have an easy time with this one, but I think they're going to win it. One thing that goes in their favor, the Packers um, of the remaining NFC teams have the worst rush defense, and the Rams have really gotten acres going and have been able to lean on acres, so that's one thing in their advantage. And the other thing is it's going to come down to can that defense continue to play the way they've been playing because they've single-handedly won – the game against Arizona to get them into the playoffs and that playoff game. They they confused Seattle. They scored the points. They were like, hey, look, we saw Goff throw. We better go score some points. So Ramsey's going to have to be tight on Devontae Adams. And the thing about the, the Packers, if you can stymie their running game and you can actually cover Devontae Adams, you can take them out of what they're doing. We saw the Bucks manage to do that earlier this season. The games that the Packers have lost, that been the formula. That's a tall order, but it's possible. I don't think you know I, I still think Packers win. I think the Packers are a better team, but it's you know, it doesn't seem insurmountable. Yeah, I mean, with looking at it, I, I do think it has a chance to be a good game. I mean, the biggest that's thing not the game I was thinking of. Like, oh, I know it wasn't. I know. Um, the fact that the Seahawks could not stop the run, knowing that that's pretty much all the Rams had, is just embarrassing, in my opinion. Well, but and that's why Seattle this offseason, we can make the jokes we want to make about let Russ cook, and obviously, I I do have to wonder in the middle of the season. People question whether Russell Wilson got a concussion that they that went undiagnosed. He did not seem like the same player in terms of the speed of decision making and where where to make decisions. I don't know what all was going on, but their defense. Seattle used to have a lockdown defense. Even last year, their defense was a big part of their success. That defense has been erratic and unreliable. That they have to address in the off season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, we, we'll do our picks and everything on Thursday. But I mean, if you're giving me Rams, Packers, and Rams defense, I mean, they talked about it multiple times. It's the number one defense in the league right now, so it's. I, I do think it will give Green Bay fits, but give me twelve, man. Twelve is going to find a way to get done. I, I really believe in what he's doing right now. As for everything, Seattle, would have to break right for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it. Wilson struggle. He's been struggling. DK though still has a big day against Jalen Ramsey, which was kind of the kind of the premiered matchup everybody was talking about going into the game. Those two talking about how much respect they had for each other. Uh, I love DK, so it was cool to see him go off in this one. Seattle really faded toward the end of the season. Uh, is it a cause con- for concern for you? And and do you think Carson will be back in twenty one? I will say, kind of to what we were just talking about with Russ Cook, Russ cooking. This year, Pete Carroll has already come out and said that they are going back to a offense next yeah. year. So, which is, I, 
I feel like as long as Carson isn't asking for a ton that he is going to be back because as much as uh, Dennis has a Rashad Penny tattoo right over his heart, I don't think Pete Carroll feels the same. Uh, DJ Dallas, they need, you know, I think there was some hope he would develop into a pass catching running back. That does feel like a little bit of an element that's missing. They did an experiment with Greg Olson. Not sure that was, that was working. They have two decent receivers. Um, they probably need a little work on the offensive line, but I, I still think defense to me is something that that has to be addressed. Yeah, that I mean, it has not been good really since they let all those guys go. That we saw those guys kind of got into whatever was going on with Pete Carroll. We heard all the rumors that it seemed like Carroll chose Wilson's side on everything going on there, and that defense has not been the same. You know, I don't know. I, I'm really starting to worry about Seattle as as just a team because I just don't think you can win that way anymore with just running the ball and, and having your quarterback do this and that. We've even seen it with the Browns. You know, they've turned – they've let Baker – let Baker cook in games, and that's what's really been helping him win games. I just don't think you can win with just a rushing attack in defense. And even if you can, you can't do it with the defense as bad as Seattle's. Yeah. All right. The other game, which ended up being a pretty good game, all things considered, uh, the Buccaneers beat the Washington football team 31-23. to uh, Brady, 381 yards and two touchdowns. Ronald Jones got hurt again, but we saw the Bucks come out there in a close game, get the win. Now they get New Orleans for the third time this year. Yeah. So when I know this is the game you're talking about, and yeah. I don't think it's going to be a good game. I will say that the team that has swept the series uh, going up for the third time in the playoffs has won that 65% of the time. So not a huge margin. That's still fairly close. Uh, but I, I'm going to say, what what is it Tyler or Taylor Henneke? I know Henneke's last name. I can't remember what his first name is. Taylor Heineke. What, what, what Taylor Heineke did against that defense, I think just proves that that defense is not as good as everybody was saying it was. And I pointed out, on the podcast last Thursday, that the teams they played to end out the season were not good teams. They put up a lot of numbers and a lot of points against not good teams. You're getting a completely different New Orleans Saints team coming here. Now, I don't expect it to be the blowout that it was, whatever it was, I think, on Monday night when the Saints blew them out like 35. I think it was Sunday night. Okay, Sunday night. I just, I just remember they like yeah. destroyed the game at like halftime. It was, it was bad. Uh, I expect it to be a good game, but I'm, I'm not feeling this as good about it as you are. It is hard to beat a team three times uh, and to knock them out. Um, and I still think Tampa Bay has af- – that that blowout was a wake-up call. Uh, the first game of the season when these teams matched was one of the better games still that I saw in 2020, and I watched a lot of it. The Saints are starting to get their players back and healthy – the Buccaneers are starting to to turn it on and figure it out. I think it's going to be an interesting and and good playoff game. Oh yeah, I think it'll be a good game. I just if if you were asking me to pick now, I'm I'm taking the Saints, and I have like no reservation in my mind about it. Whatsoever. Well, I mean, I have the Alvin Kamara tattoo over my heart, so well. I'm probably taking the Saints too. I I don't think that it's ever going to be possible in my lifetime for me to actively root for Tom Brady. So, but <laughs> I do I do think he has looked good. They think they have figured some things out. Yeah. Also, what did uh, Rob Gronkowski do to personally offend him? To the point where he, he decided to make Cameron Bright look like an all-star. Yeah, I I, I don't know on that. It's just probably one of those games. Every, everybody was in on Gronk, and then, of course, next week he'll have the big game there against the Saints. Uh, on Washington's side, before we move on to the next game, uh, Heineke did look good here. Uh, good young court. Ron Rivera has, you know, it, it, you really built this team up good. They've got a really good defense, uh, good young players on offense. What is, the, I guess, the big key, you think, for Washington moving forward? You know, I think they got to find a quarterback. Um, I, I know I saw a lot of people talking about Heineke is the guy. Now, I, I love what he did. I thought it was amazing. I hope they keep him under contract. I think he is an ideal – I mean, he would be a great backup. I don't know that I think he's a franchise quarterback. You want to keep him and give him a shot to compete, that's fine. 
whether it's through the draft or free agent, seems like Alex Smith probably going to hang it up. And you know what? He was a great story this year, but I would love to see him retire before something happens. Cause I think uh, you sure you felt a little bit the same way. It was great to see him out there succeeding at every time he took a shot at the legs. You were like, please God get up. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's got to be wearing on him. He's he's getting older. He was never like an elite quarterback. He was a great competitor and game manager, and we saw that again. And I'm I'm glad he managed to make his way back and get that team to the playoffs. I think it's a great note to end on. Um, but they got to do something. I I think they're they're another team. There are a few of these teams where they have a lot of good pieces. But you can only go so far if you don't have a quarterback. And their division, especially with what's going on with Dallas coaching and with what we'll talk about with Philly coaching, is wide open. They could easily go right back to to being on top. But they need stability at that position, somebody who's going to help these young pieces grow. And I think they need another receiver um, that you can rely on opposite. Uh, I like what they've got with Logan Thomas. Antonio Gibson and McKissick have been great. Terry McLaren's so great. I think they need another receiver and a quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the quarterback thing. Again, you know, we've – or at least I've talked about it a little bit on here. I think there's a shot five quarterbacks go in this first round, and I, I think there's a couple guys who have interesting upside that could fall late into that first round. So do they grab a guy there? They're sitting at eighth in cap room right now, so their team who possibly could do the same thing and kind of go get a veteran guy to bring in. So I do think that's kind of the biggest piece they're missing as well, outside of obviously shoring up that offensive line. That's kind of been an issue the past couple of years. Definitely need to do. But if you can get one of those veteran guys, offensive line is a position you could definitely address in the draft. So, Well, and their line – has gotten, I mean, at least coalesced a little bit better. So you have to wonder if some of it was the personality clashes with maybe Trent Williams before he left because, you know, Gibson was able to find some running room. They were able to keep – I know they went through a lot of quarterbacks, but I don't think it was because of hideous offensive line play. It was some of Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, so the Ravens-Titans game, the game we thought was all going to be the best game of the weekend, I think was it was a good game, but I, I did not think it was the best game of the weekend no. at all. Uh, they beat the Titans 22-13. Lamar Jackson gets his first win, 179 yards passing, 136 yards rushing. Uh, the Ravens, as we talked about earlier, have been the hottest team coming into the season. They've really been peaking right now. Uh, we've already kind of talked a little bit about what we expect for them going into Buffalo. So do you have any other thoughts on them? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be an incredible game. They picked the right game, I think, to put in the primetime slot on Saturday night. Um, that's going to be a fierce battle. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a great game. I, I will say, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a Browns fan, so it's hard for me to root for the Ratbirds. I hate Marcus Peters, man. He's just so annoying. I have to be honest; it's to the potential out there for me to end up having to see. The Ravens versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl gives me a huge moment of pause. I was like so excited about the playoffs. And if you're telling me that's what I've got in the Super Bowl, it's like trying to choose which which foot I would like to have cut off. Yeah, oh, trust me. I don't want to see either one of those happen either. I hate the Ratbirds, and I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Brady either. So I would hate to see that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a good game. Like I said, it's, it's going to be – it's the Saturday night game, right? That's what you're saying? Is yep. It, yeah. It's the NBC Saturday night game which is perfect because I've got to do something earlier in the day, which is the Packers game, if I'm remembering correctly. So I might not get to yes. see a lot of that game. So, Yeah, which the Sunday games are uh, Chiefs in the early window and Saints in the late window. Gotcha. So, but, hey, I'm going to be honest. All four seem, at least right now, to be really good games where uh-huh. let's hope they turn yeah. out because this weekend is yeah. – I mean, it was great to it's see. It's been a fantastic games. playoffs. Yeah, I mean, just some of the games were not that much fun, uh, which we'll get to the last one, obviously, here in a minute, which I think was probably the most boring of all of them. Uh, Henry was held in check, though, for the Titans, and this one seemed visually frustrated, both him and Mike Vrabel at times on the sideline. A.J. Brown, though, continues to be that dude, six for 83 and one touchdown. The Titans fall. The defense struggles again here. uh, What what did the Titans need to do in the offseason? Do you think Corey Davis is back? You know, we talked about him really all year was phenomenal. And then really kind of these back last three, couple, three four weeks has kind of just faded into well, nothing. And his, 
He must have gotten some kind of injury because they were talking about him being on the sideline and he was noticeably limping off after the game was over. But I would also say this was another game where coaching was a an issue because I was surprised that Mike Rabel seemed to be trying to bet on his defense as much as he did down the stretch, especially with deciding whether to go or they did it. They pulled one of those fourth and short punts uh, from inside the opposition territory that, that I would question because we have not seen anything consistent from Tennessee's defense throughout the season. I actually thought they played better defense on um, in this playoff game than we saw them play in most of the regular season. But still, they're going to have to address that defense. I think it was a liability all year. And they're going to have to figure out Corey Davis seems like he, he's never going to be probably what some people thought he might be as a first-round draft pick. But he does seem like he could be a good uh, complimentary number two receiver. It seemed like he was a good complimentary number two receiver fit there. And, in fact, maybe it did stymie the offense that he wasn't out there to be able to stretch. It you know it looked like he got hurt. I don't know if it's that or something else. Um, he's going to go somewhere. It really depends on his salary demands. I think Tennessee needs a receiver opposite A.J. Brown to keep making that work. But um, I don't know if if they're just ready to move on. Uh, you know, we may have seen, it's very possible we saw peak Corey Davis this season too. Yeah. Yeah. I, if I'm being honest, I'd sell high on him now. I, I'm not sure that he's going to be any better than we saw him this year, and they're sitting at about 24th in cap space right now, so they don't have a whole lot of money to to play with. I, I don't know if they'd be able – I mean, again, I don't know what kind of deal Corey Davis could really even ask for because he, he's really only been kind of good this one year. Uh, the last yeah. game uh, that we have yet to talk about here, the Saints beating the Bears 21-9. For Chicago, the offense fell flat here. Bears looked awful. Uh, what does this mean for Nagy? Seems like he's pretty safe, regardless of that. But a lot of the talk that I saw on Twitter has seemed to be because of Trubisky's bad game. It's kind of pushed them away from bringing him back again, where we were all kind of coming into this game like, hey, Trubisky's done enough to get that other, at least a couple-year contract to see if they can figure it out. Now it seems like everybody's off him again. you got Robinson and Graham coming up as well I, I honestly think robinson's gone i don't know if you saw the quote from him uh but no. he said that uh i don't remember the exact quote i'll see if i can find it it, was, it pretty much amounted up to we've had a lot of time to get a deal done and it hasn't happened yet so just take that for what it's worth so i kind of feel like him saying that means he's probably gone in chicago well and if there was if there was any coach that made the playoffs that was still not a lock to keep their job. I would think it's Chicago's coach because it's been so, so Jekyll and Hyde. And they, they looked horrific yesterday. I don't know what, what the, was their game plan? Uh, you know, what were they trying to attack? Um, it seemed like they decided to feature Javon Wims, even after he dropped a sure touchdown. Um, you know, but that was at least during a portion of the game where they were having some creative play calls. Trubisky, I thought, played better and was one of the reasons they ended up making the playoffs. But the play calling yesterday would indicate to me that they have no faith in him. So that was a little bit curious. Um, I I have a lot more questions about Chicago than I did before that game started. You saw Jimmy Graham basically catch a pl- catch the touchdown and go off in the locker room like I'm done. It's over. The season's over. You know, so you, it seems like he's going to be gone. Robinson could be gone. Um, I thought they were an interesting story that they they managed to bounce back and get into the playoffs, but they seem to crater tremendously yesterday and I, I will agree that that maybe uh, game flow wise wasn't the greatest game because New Orleans won and they won fairly handily but they didn't look very good either it was seven to three into the middle of the third quarter yeah I did love the coverage decision um, that ended up you know I enjoyed watching the Nickelodeon broadcast uh, I'm sure some parents uh, were not prepared for the open mic F-bomb that went out to uh, all the kids on Nickelodeon. 
Um, but I thought that was a fun and interesting thing for the NFL to do. Nate Burleson, huge props. Um, he was really great calling calling that game, getting into the spirit of everything, um, playing off the kids. Ian Eagle's son, Noah, was the play-by-play. It was a lot of fun. I watched, and, you know, the best part about it, then I was able to avoid the, the horror that is Tony Romo. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I hope they keep doing things like that, um, keep expanding the audience. It was a really, you know, it was different. It was fun. Um, so that probably made it a little more palatable uh, than it would have been if you were just watching like a straight, uh, you know, because they kept trying to pretend Chicago had a chance, but they never at any point looked like they were in that game. Even when it was seven to three, it felt like it was yeah. ninety-five to three. Yeah, that's why. I'm, for me, that was kind of the most boring game. I, I admitted earlier in the podcast that at one point I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to kind of got a couple episodes of Ted Lasso that me and my wife want to watch before the Browns game start really quick. So let's go ahead and put that on. We'll get through a couple episodes for the game. So. You know, I am looking forward to them, though. Obviously, this next week going up against Tampa Bay, we are talking about I think it's going to be a, a good game. Uh, and, and for the Bears' side, I mean, they've got a lot of decisions they're going to have to make. You know, again, I, whether Robinson comes back or not, I hope they get him a good quarterback. If it's Trubisky, they, he did seem to play well at times with Trubisky. I, just, I want to see Robinson finally get a good quarterback. On the Saints' side, though, uh, offense looked a little bit sluggish. We saw a lot of Breeze and Hill out there in this one. Kamara finishes with 99 yards and a touchdown. Breeze was okay. Uh, you know, are you worried at all that the Saints, and especially Breeze, continue to look rusty leading up to what's going to be a really big matchup with the Bucks? I think they're just rusty because, you know, they didn't get to practice together. Kamara and Thomas literally got activated Saturday. Uh, Thomas hasn't really played with Breeze much at all this season, so I was encouraged to see they were they were able to hit each other and get you know they got him a touchdown. Kamara got stronger as the game went on. I I would like to think they're going to be okay. I you know I've liked the Saints; uh, they were my preseason pick. Um, they're going to have to play a little bit sharper than what we saw if they want to get past. I know you don't think the Bucks are great, but the Bucks are better than the Bears. Oh, no, I agree with you. At least the offense is better. I don't think the defense is better, but the offense is better. And so it's it's going to definitely be a, a better game uh, than what we saw out hey, there. Bisky got his most valuable player, which probably the only – downside to the Nickelodeon broadcast is apparently we didn't explain football well enough uh, for people to not realize that Mitch Trubisky was not the MVP of that game. Yeah, that was probably the most embarrassing part of that. All right, so a couple quick notes before we get out of here. Obviously, the big news uh, that came out a couple hours before we started recording, Doug Peterson is out in Philly. Uh, Kind of surprising in my opinion. Like We all kind of talked about it might happen. Uh, I was a little surprised that it did happen. Uh, you know, I know Jeffrey Laurie came out and said that it was a difference in, or he didn't believe in the vision that Doug Peterson was selling uh, and, and how he was going to fix the team. Uh, I saw Doug Peterson point out that he didn't like uh, that he was always being told what to do by everybody else instead of letting him do what he wanted with the team. Going to be interesting. I think the more interesting thing, I don't know if you've heard the rumor of who they're looking to replace Gate, uh, replace Peterson with, but it's Adam Gates. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that works out for the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, anyway, your your thoughts on Peterson out in Philly? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm mildly surprised because it hasn't been that long since they won the Super Bowl, and I mean, they were in the playoffs every every year since that, except for this year. I know they cratered a little bit this year. You could just, I, I, but. That being said, the mismanagement of the quarterback position and the quarterbacks on the roster is really saying something because even at the end with what they did in that last game, it seemed like even Jalen Hurts was uh, not confident or pleased about his team uh, and his standing with the team. But that's kind of a problem. They're, it's interesting. Maybe they needed – to move on, it sounds like both of them were dissatisfied with each other, and um, it'll be it'll be interesting. If, if I'm just really thrown by Adam Gase, 
Well, now I'm seeing that might have been a fake account thing, but the person okay. who reported it has a check mark. So I imagine they're not just saying that to say that. So when Jason Garrett ends up in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers and Adam no, Gates ends up in Philadelphia. He was the other one that's being said to get a shot at um, – uh, uh, an interview at least for the job was Adam Gase and Jason Garrett were two of the coaches that are being highly con- strongly considered for head coach of, of the Eagles because what it says in here, Adam Gase, uh, who is a QB guru to come fix Carson Wentz. It's just what it says. So I don't know. I mean, they have a blue check mark. I can't imagine they're just saying that to say that. So, but or- whether or not it's true. Ryan, really Ryan Tannehill and Sam Darnold just unfollowed whoever reported that. Yeah, well, I mean, I would too. He is not the QB guru, as we, we've talked about. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We we obviously mentioned just a couple minutes ago, uh, the Eagles are in Cap Hill. Their roster is old. There's a lot of players that likely possibly have a shot not even being back there with how old some of those players are. Not a lot of cap room. they got a really weird quarterback situation going on, and I think Cowie Rosen is just to blame as, as uh, Doug Peterson is. Why he got to keep his job is kind of beyond me. We'll see. I mean, I, I would really think that a Cowboys fans, Giants fans, and uh, Washington fans are probably pretty happy right now because as bad as that team has looked, Doug Peterson was seeming, seemingly getting him toward the playoffs every single year. So we'll see what happens with the Eagles. A lot of, a lot of fun stuff to report in the offseason. So obviously we've got one more game tonight. College football national championship game between the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, obviously, I'm sporting my Justin Fields jersey tonight. I'm I'm excited for the game. The pregame stuff is about to start right now, which is why I was hoping. Uh, that's why me and Matt jumped on a little bit earlier than we have been uh, for the offseason stuff, so I could get ready for this game. As I am excited, um, expect it. if you guys are going to watch it, it's going to be a really good game. Both of these offenses are amazing. If uh, you know, if you watch any of the games last Friday or a week and a half ago, whatever it was first. Uh, so what was that? Ten days ago now at this point, both these offenses can put up points. I would not be surprised if they both put up 40-plus in this tonight. Uh, both defenses struggle. Uh, I do think the big thing to watch is uh, the battle up front. Uh, Bama's offensive line, uh, their their center was out, got knocked out, I believe, the game before the Notre Dame game against Florida in the SEC championship game. Uh, and the Buckeyes defense up front, although there is rumors that a couple of those guys might be out because of COVID, that is the strength of their defense. So if they can get after Mac Jones and make him feel some pressure, maybe he has a bad game here. But I do expect both teams to put up a lot of points. I know Justin Fields show what he did against Clemson will be huge as well. Wouldn't they have had to announce if those guys were out already? So, I mean, we're only two hours from game time. They do not. Uh, the way Ohio State has handled this all year is they always report it an hour before game time. So we will not know for another hour, unfortunately, who will or won't be out. We do know of a couple players who are out. Uh, that is only because they have posted on Instagram that they are not with the team and they are they are upset that they're not in Miami. Uh, and it's been proven. They both, both of them posted on their own Instagram accounts that they tested positive for COVID. Uh, but there's been a rumor going around for about a week now that there could be three starters out on the defensive line. Uh, and Ohio State all year has not talked about that at all until an hour before game time. Just like last week or uh, 10 days ago against Clemson, we didn't know about some of the defensive starters being out until literally an hour before kickoff. So we'll likely find out that information within the next hour. I'm watching the pregame stuff right now. They're showing players walking in. Uh, so obviously if there's people watching and they're able to say, okay, well, this guy's clearly not walking in, so is he not with the team? We'll probably be able to get that information here soon. But that, that'll that be um, something that's going to be big for the Buckeyes. They need this defense because this is an explosive offense. Uh, some of the players to watch, if you're wanting to watch this for your rookie drafts uh, and everything, on Alabama's side, you've got Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, and Najee Harris. I think all phenomenal top guys. Uh, Mac Jones is my QB3. Najee Harris is my running back one, and Devonta Smith is my wide receiver two right now for rookie rankings. Uh, all guys who are going to be really good at the next level. Uh, defensively, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't pay that close attention to the defensive ball, but uh, defensive side of the ball, at least for, for IDP stuff for fantasy. But if you're talking Alabama, uh, their cornerback, Patrick Sertain, is probably the top cornerback off the board. Uh, so you got him is likely going to lock up with Chris Olave. Uh, for the Buckeyes side, 
Chris Olave, my wide receiver eight right now for rookie rankings for the Buckeyes. You've got Justin Fields, QB one in your hearts on my jersey. On my QB board, I'm taking him over Trevor Lawrence if he can have another big game here tonight. Trey Sermon, who has just really come on as of late, has jumped up to my RB5. He was my RB12 earlier in the season, so that's how much his stock has jumped. No, he's he's really shown that he's the running back we thought he was going to be coming into the year. He's finally gotten that chance to play. Has looked amazing. Uh, and and Master Teague, you know, I don't know if he'll play tonight. He's not a guy I think is really going to be that big. Uh, for the NFL, but you got two tight ends as well, Jeremy Ruckert and Luke Farrell, who have NFL upside. Jeremy Ruckert uh, is a guy I think right now he's my tight end five. Uh, he could easily be right there tight end four. I don't think he's quite as good as the top three guys in this class, but should be a lot of fun tonight. Going to be a really good game. Obviously, I'm leaning one way, not going to get a lot of sleep because uh, I imagine this game's not going to end until probably <laughs> my time. So. I know if we thought those NFL playoff games were long, the college ones always seem to be like an hour and a half longer. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm, I, I, I was talking to someone about that earlier today. I Obviously, the Buckeyes weren't in it last year. I had no rooting interest in the game, so I turned it off at the fourth quarter last year, and it was like 11 o'clock, and there was still like eight minutes left yeah. to go. It, it was like 30 minutes. So. Look, sleep is for the week. Oh, I agree with you. I've got some coffee lined up, and if the Buckeyes win, it's not going to matter. Just like I'm not even – like I told you earlier in the podcast, I didn't go to bed till midnight my time. I get up at 3.30 to go to work. I'm still riding the high of the Browns win. I'm not ti- I have not felt tired at all all day. So if the Buckeyes win, I'm going to be great. Now I'm in a crash once Tuesday afternoon comes and I get home from picking up my kids. But I can't wait. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you'll see hopefully a whole lot of very good reactions because uh, it will be a lot of fun. Bad stuff, you know. Daddy, why are we going to bed at 4.30 p.m. today? I've, I've got breakable stuff all lined up so I don't break a TV. Like all those Pittsburgh fans, which is just, I don't understand. Guys. Yeah, why well, take it out on the TV? You're just hurting yourself. Yeah, exactly. But that, that'll do it for us today. Uh, if you guys do watch the national championship game, enjoy it. Uh, me and Matt will be back with Dennis on Thursday, right? We're doing Thursdays now? Correct. Yeah. Thursdays, we will talk about any NFL news that's happened between now and then. And uh, we will obviously preview the divisional round with the Cleveland Browns in the divisional round of the playoffs. And I'll have an update on the standings in our playoff challenge. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I probably did really shitty this weekend. So I'm not really well, I'm also going to score because, uh, you know, we started last week that uh, weekly competition that you were in. I'll score our teams. See yeah, where we're at. Shitty in that too, because I went. I was really happy about Derrick Henry. Got shit, did shit. So yeah. Anyways, enjoy the game. You won't face that challenge this week. That is true, and uh, we will. We will see you guys again on Thursday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the room already, and he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>